to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at... 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. Good evening and welcome to Breaking the Silence. I'm Dr. Gregory Williams. Just call me Greg and uh, you're here in my home. As we look over right outside our windows here is uh, the Texas Medical Center, absolutely in the heart of the most beautiful city in the world, Houston, Texas, a city that is awesome, but a city that also has, that we're going to talk about probably today, uh, some issues that we're dealing with. I'm looking across the street right here at the NRG. Uh, stadium, which is another problem where we have a lot of issues, and it's called the Houston Texans. <laughs> but hopefully this coming season will be better than what it has been in the past. But just beyond here, we have the Houston Astros, and they're doing awesome. So uh, we have a couple things we're proud of in our city, but it's just a great place to be. And if you've never been to Houston, the eating is the best in the world right here. And uh, so just welcome to the program tonight. And to tell you what, we're doing a pre-record uh, this evening, so you won't be able to call in at the uh, toll-free number. So feel free to comment on the Shattered by the Darkness uh, Facebook page. And uh, my son, Curtis, will let me know that there's some people that have some comments or thoughts, and we will make sure uh, that we get back to those uh, probably as quickly as you put them in. So you always have access to me that way. Or you can call me directly on my cell phone. And my cell phone right here, 832-396-6525. And I don't know too many people that's crazy enough to put out their personal cell phone around the world. But anytime it rings, I try to grab a hold of it and talk to you and just find out what can I do to help you out. That's what this world is all about. Next couple of weeks, uh, including tonight, is going to be some of the best I think interviews that we've had in the three or four years that we've done this program. So uh, this program here is something that I'm very much excited about. Uh, I like to start off each program with basically letting you know what I'm going through. And uh, in that look, uh, and I'll be really brief tonight because I want to leave as much uh, room as I can for our guests. But, um, you know, sometimes we wonder, uh, really, are we doing what? we need to be doing in life. Uh, when I wake up in the morning in that chair right there and I put my feet on the ground, what am I going to try to accomplish? And there's just a couple things I, I've been thinking about lately and I want to share with you. And you may want to jot these down. I'm not for sure. But a couple things that I want you to be able to say about yourself. Uh, if not tonight, maybe next week when you start a fresh week in mind is number one, are you following your heart? Are you following your intuition? Are you following your passion? 
is what you're doing in life worth getting up and going for? I think our guest this evening is going to tell us uh, that the passion has to be from the gut and it has to be deeper than just a paycheck. I think maybe we've all had in our lives teachers that have stood in front of us in classrooms, whether it's grade school, high school, or college, and you look back and you sit back in your chair and you go, wait, this person isn't called to teach. Matter of fact, they probably ought to get out of it. They're just there for the check. Or how about people that are in the nursing field and they just want to put that IV in and go to the next one? You can tell when people have a calling. Do you have a calling on your life? Are you able to say that you are following what your heart is all about? And I think that's the key. Uh, be led by your dreams. Live the life that you want to live. And the best thing I can know how to express that to you is what's happened to you in your life has opened doors for me to how I know how to help other people. So I don't damn those things that happened to me in my life, even though I was abused all the way up to my 17th birthday. I was trafficked by my dad during my 12, 13, and 14 years as a teenager, as a young child. Uh, but I don't damn those because those things that happened to me makes me me. It created in me different traits. It created in me resilience. It created in me in things that I want to be able to help other people with in their own life. Another thing that you, I want to make sure that you can say about yourself is, are you making a difference? In your life, is that life that you're living today making a difference in one person's life tomorrow? And, you know, we can't change everybody in the world, but we can sure change one person. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I remember that, that the movie you're going to be talking about here just shortly uh, when uh, Tim Ballard said in the movie, the actor that played him, I want to change one person's life. And that's how he convinced his partner to get involved in it. Can you make a difference in this one young lady's life? And they decided, yes, they could. Are you trying to become the best version of yourself? What you see right now is not the best version of me yet, but thank God I'm not what I was yesterday or not what I was 10 years ago when I had my mask on. And wearing masks absolutely can wear you out. Um, faking it is so tiring. It's so fatiguing. So are you being the best version that you can be? And then the last thing before we get to our guest, am I making my time count? Am I wasting time? I think so much time in my day is wasted. And I try to narrow that down and, and knock out some of those things that I don't need to be wasting my time in. But what about you? Is everything that you're doing uh, that you're trying to accomplish making a difference? And is that time valuable? Because as we see later on in life, when you get to my age, you're going to realize that your life is only this long left. Are you making the time that you have left 
the most valuable for you. Just a couple things, just a couple thoughts I wanted to share with you. Uh, get on the Facebook page right now. If you have a comment or a thought about tonight's program, jump on there, and we'll be responding to that as this is played on Sunday evening. But I want to let you know right now, I am honored to have our guest this evening, Tyler Schwab, and he is with Operation Underground Railroad, and he's a regional aftercare director of just a little small area, but no, of South and Central America. And I'll tell you what, that is an unbelievable uh, area that we're going to be talking about. And he is also has a bachelor's degree in health administration. He has an MBA, if that's not enough, from the University of Wyoming. And he also has, I don't know how many certifications in human trafficking, but we're going to be talking about that difficult discussion about what that movie was all about and is, and if you haven't seen it, we're going to talk about it, Sound of Freedom. So welcome to the program this evening, Tyler Schwab. Tyler, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Hey, Tyler, you look great tonight. How are you? I'm good, my man. I'm uh, I'm thankful to be on. I'm honored that, uh, to be speaking with you and to be talking about the, the work that we're trying to accomplish. So thank you for having me. You know, we each have our own little niche in the world of where we are meant to be. Uh, I do my own little bit, which may not make a, a big dent, but uh, you're making an impact on so many people. I just applaud you for that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate so tell it. me about... Operation Underground Railroad. What is that? If this is something that people are listening tonight uh, around the world that have never heard of it, although they may have seen the movie. Uh, tell me about Tim Ballard in the movie and how he created this. I guess he's your founder. And uh, what the uh, the Operation Underground Railroad is all about. Yeah, yeah. Um... I guess first question I'm going to ask you is, is a large audience, is larger base of your audience in Texas? Is that where a lot of your listeners are? Well, not all of them, but uh, Texas is a, is a big piece of it, but it goes all the way around the world tonight. So, yeah. Well, I'll t I, I ask because, uh, you know, Texas has played a big part on my, on my journey this year and a little bit of last year. And I think I could describe Operation Underground Railroad by telling a story that kind of includes Texas, if, if you're good with that. Yeah. So um, about two years ago, I get I get a phone call um, from a 14 year old girl in Colombia, and she's she's panicked, she's in need, and she's just looking looking for support, looking for help. And so we obviously we meet with her, we we find out what's going on, and um, basically we found out that she wasn't in school, um, she was just leaving a government shelter, and that she had to go home to her grandma and didn't know um, didn't know how she was going to survive, didn't know how she was going to study, and so was looking for help. And she didn't give us a lot of details on what happened to her, but if she was coming out of a shelter, um, we knew that something something bad was was happening to her. Come to find out later, when, when you know, as we, and on, on my side, the aftercare side, when, when a survivor comes into our family, we always work our way up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and she's not going to tell us anything until and she gets food, water, shelter. She feels love. She feels support. And so we, we helped fill those gaps for the first couple of months till we found out um, what exactly happened. What had happened is that um, there was a man uh, that came down from the United States. Um, his name was Michael Roberts. He was from Round Rock, Texas. Yeah. And he sexually assaulted her, sexually assaulted her, trafficked to, to, his, to his friends, um, asked her to find other little girls that live close to her. 
and trafficked her to a point to where the government had to intervene and had to put her in a in a government shelter. Um, before she was going into this shelter, <clears throat> she met this police officer who said, I'm going to give you this phone number. Supposedly, these people help uh, girls who have been abused by Americans. So take this number, memorize it, hide it, whatever you need to do, and call this when you get out. And so she did. She kept it between her toes. She kept it in her armpit. She memorized it. So she called us when she got out of this out of this shelter. And she once she we got her support, once we got her help, we started to find out more about this guy named Michael Roberts. And so Michael Roberts, he was a school teacher teaching in Austin, Texas. Um, he was teaching. Uh, he had two jobs. And one of those jobs he taught at an all girls school up there in Austin. Um, and then. During the summers, during his downtime, he would travel down to Columbia and he would rape um, girls around the same age of the girls that he taught. And so OUR, first thing we did, like on my side, is just make sure this 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 little girl's taken care of, make sure that she's um, being supported, she's being helped, that she's being healed, that she has the tools needed to, to heal from this trauma. In the meantime, um, you know, we have this side of OUR that also focuses on the bad guys. So we started to loop in all of our partners, the Colombian National Police, the Department of Homeland Security, our operations team, and basically came together of like, we have three victims, three survivors, and one guy, Michael Roberts. How do we go after this guy uh, based on what he's done to these three little girls? And so we all had a meeting in Medellin, Colombia. We we did the interviews with, with these survivors, took their testimonies. And with that, in September of last year, uh, Michael Roberts was arrested in his home by members of our OUR team that were present during the arrest. We can't arrest anybody, but we were present. Members of Homeland Security and members of the Colombian National Police. After that arrest happened, um, our survivor started to speak with uh, local media, telling her story anonymously to create a wider conversation on, on what's happening with Americans who travel to abuse kids. And on the other side, the, the federal side, um, our legal team, uh, supported the Department of Justice, gave this guy a good sentencing, and almost more importantly, we took $150,000 from him to then redistribute to uh, these survivors uh, back in Colombia. And so for me, it was it was a two-year journey um, working with these survivors throughout this process. A global pandemic got in the way, and it all uh, culminated um, with uh, Texas barbecue after uh, this sentencing that happened in Austin, Texas. And so the work that's happening just around the world, it was, it's very connected to me, and I'm very grateful to be speaking with someone who lives in Texas because Texas has been on my mind and on my heart for the last couple of years on this operation that we're just concluding. Um, it's called Operation Bat Bridge in honor of the Austin Bridge down there, um, and it resulted in the arrest of an American trafficker named Michael Roberts. People can Google his name, Michael Roberts Round Rock. All sorts of media will come up, and then the rescue of, of three survivors who are now uh, thriving in our, in our program. And in short, that's kind of what Operation Underground Railroad does. That, that's amazing. And, you know, I I, I saw the movie and and uh, I, I thought it was excellent. And I I immediately got on the operation when I knew you guys were going to be on today. I wanted to find out. And, you know, the this is the activity that you have on your page of what's going on uh, in the United States. And you can see that Houston is one of those real bright red hot spots because I know it's happening. Uh, I'm involved in United Against Human Trafficking here in Houston with that organization and several others. It's happening right down on the street as I look over my balcony. 
uh, right down here at the medical center. Uh, how often do you get folks involved with Texas besides this one uh, call? Is Texas pretty uh, used in your language a lot up there, wherever you're at? Yeah, it's, um, you know, Texas being on the border of Mexico, obviously like that creates that the border has all, all kinds of issues and there's so much exploitation that's going on um, around the border, uh, near in border cities. Houston's also home to an international airport, uh, the United oh. Hub that travels all over the world. And so a lot of these pedophiles that travel throughout the world, they go through Houston. And sometimes Houston is actually where they get caught um, based on our partnership with the Department of Homeland Security and and immigration, um, all these people that we work with to, to target these, um, these, these American pedophiles. My work, um, we get a lot of cases of American perpetrators that travel out to uh, South America. We get cases, Texas becoming, we're seeing more men from Texas traveling. We see a lot from New York. We see a ton from Florida. We have some in Minnesota, California, Washington, there's really no state yet that hasn't been touched where we haven't identified someone who's traveling overseas to engage in this type of behavior, looking for vulnerable women and vulnerable children to to abuse, to rape, and in some cases to film and to upload those images uh, onto the internet. And so we we get it all. We get bad guys from all over all all over the United States and all over the world. You know, I thought my eyes was opened all this, Tyler, because I I was to the understanding that you know. It, it happens here. I, I can't fathom people that apparently have a pretty good sized wallet hopping on a plane and taking a vacation, or I guess uh, an escape uh, trip to another country just to abuse children. So this is happening numerous times, correct? I mean, this is a huge problem. Yeah, we, we get cases all the time, and like there's a there's a particularly nasty case that we just finished up, um, based out of New York. New York and Columbia was the connection. It was called Operation Eternal Spring, and it involved two men, one named uh, Victor Galarza and Herbert Fletcher from Philadelphia, and they would essentially do what you're describing: is they would coordinate these these sex parties for their friends, their pedophile friends. They would travel down and and. Um, Yes, they would they would rape these kids, they would abuse these kids, but they would also film the abuse and then upload it to different porn sites, porn, sites like Pornhub, X Videos, Spank Monkey, all these terrible sites. And so it actually opened up the avenue to where um, our survivors can seek justice on multiple fronts. Like on the first part, like just the trauma of um, of knowing that these abuse this abuse has been published online. I had a survivor tell me once that she has anxiety going down the street because when someone smiles at her. She doesn't know if they're smiling to be kind or if they're smiling because they'd seen these images of her when she was 14, 13, being gang raped by these Americans. And so the the avenue that we're pursuing on the aftercare side is obviously um, helping those survivors thrive economically, educationally. If they have tattoos that people are recognizing them by to get those removed, uh, going after the Americans that, that facilitate this behavior, but also there's these porn companies that were enabling this abuse, the porn companies that didn't verify if this was consensual. They didn't verify that these girls were 13, 12 years old. And so our survivors are actually in, uh, they just received justice on behalf of um, the American justice system and going after these American perpetrators. But they're also currently in a lawsuit along with 100 other survivors around the world who have been abused and facilitated the, going after these porn companies that help facilitate the abuse 
that didn't verify any of this info. And so they're seeking justice and seeking change on behalf of these porn companies to, if they're going to continue to operate, to verify consent, to verify age, to protect, to remove the download button so that when this happens and these abusers film the abuse and upload it to look to make more money, that there's protections for these survivors that, that, that this happens to. So it's opening up a lot of conversation on American sex tourism, human trafficking as a whole, but also porn companies and keeping big porn accountable for the facil- for the abuse that they're facilitating. So when I see the movie, um, these children were obviously brought in by people at the mall, uh, people in the neighborhood that are trying to get them, you know, in the modeling classes or modeling ads or, or commercials, and they hook them to a hotel room. And I won't tell the whole scoop of the movie because I want everybody to go see it. But how often is that in the percentage rate of children being taken out of America? Uh, this was, I think, based in California, and then they were taken uh, to Tijuana and then on to Colombia. But um, how often is those kind of fake businesses played out in the big cities like Detroit, Los Angeles, Houston, where they actually can farm in children and then steal them? Is kidnapping a huge percentage of the human trafficking right now is the percentage rate? You raise an interesting point. I think um, I don't want to say that kidnapping doesn't happen because it does. Like we have cases where like victims are kidnapped, taken different states. And in some rare instances, taken to different countries and, and being exploited. It's it's um it, it happens. It's a small percentage, but it, it does happen. The false business is uh, is something that's very common and tends to not kick up a lot of dust dust. I mean. So I give this example sometimes of, um, you know, when I was growing up, the the thing that was big on the news as far as kidnapping was Elizabeth Smart, someone that was kidnapped yeah. in Utah and um, in the middle of, you know, this very uh, wealthy community and it kicked up a lot of dust. Everybody in the whole country was looking for Elizabeth Smart and that that happening increases the chances that she'll be found because so many people are aware of the case. So many people are seeing those missing persons posters it is more likely that the people that are kidnapped are found because there's more there's dust kicked up and people are looking versus on the other hand what i see most often is people that are tricked into these kinds of exploitation so i give an example we had a case last year of um we it was called operation Catlea. it was in the dominican republic it was a it was a fake hotel that was recruiting waitresses from uh different countries of latin america mainly venezuela and colombia these survivors, these these victims would come, they'd have their passports taken, they were under lock and key, they were trafficked inside these hotels, but no one was looking for them because they came willingly. They came, they they bought their own flight, they they went through immigration. So no one assumed that they were kidnapped and they didn't know that they were under threat of leaving in the hotel. So no one knew what was happening because there's very little dust that, that kicked up. I see that most often. Uh, more often than the hard kidnappings is someone who's who's tricked into going somewhere. And so no one's really looking for them. They just think that it's with uncle or they're with boyfriend or, or they're with whoever. And in that case, it's it's much better for the trafficker in that case because there's less law enforcement involvement. There's less missing posters. If a trafficker is going to try to traffic a child or a woman or a male, 
kidnapping probably wouldn't be the, the route they they would go. They would look to trick somebody that's already vulnerable anyway, have them come with them, traffic them. That way there's less people looking for them and there's less chance that that, that victim is going to escape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just just to be a minute or two before the commercial break. Um, in in the the film um, Sound of Freedom, there was a, a indication that uh, Tim Ballard left his job with Homeland Security and started uh, his own uh, operation. Is this the operation that he started? Is this the Operation Underground Freedom? So this is the one that they're talking about. Because I don't think it was mentioned in the movie the name. Yeah, Operation no, it's, it's it's right. It's you're you're absolutely right. He left um, to basically do two operations. There's one that's Operation uh, Voodoo Doll in Haiti, and then there's Operation Triple Take in Colombia. And the movie kind of combines those stories into one, and then obviously it takes some liberties there, here and there. But um, in the movie, there's a little boy on the border of Mexico. That's a combination of two stories. There's a the case that, that was that Tim worked very early in his career, and the story of a young boy uh, from Haiti that was kind of the genesis of why OUR was founded. And then it it loops into one of Tim's first cases here at OUR, which was Operation Triple Take um, in Colombia. And so the the Sound of Freedom it's it's kind of a combination of all three um, all three stories put into like a Hollywood movie. But it was it, those those operations did actually happen, uh, the, especially the one uh, that was seen in the movie. And I don't want to go into spoilers. I want people to go see it as well. But the island scene, the island operation like that one, um, that one is very real. Uh, I've got survivors on my caseload from that operation. And, and with all the Hollywood liberties that were taken into the Sound of Freedom, the island operation is the one where the least liberties were taken and I say that just because I've, I've worked with the survivors that were rescued from that island. Wow. But we called it on our end, we called it um, Operation Triple Take is how it's, it's referred to on our end because uh, there were three operations that were happening at the same time. One in Cartagena, Colombia, one in Armenia, Colombia, and then the other one in Medellin, Colombia. And there was a trafficking ring that was all connected. And so we had to hit them all at the same time so information didn't get filtered and they didn't communicate via WhatsApp. And so we call it triple tag because we took down three of these cities all at once. Unbelievable. Tell you what, we're going to take a commercial break. And on the other side of this break, Tyler, I, I hope you're allowing me because you're in this business. There's got to be a reason that you've been pulled in, that you have a passion for this. So on the other side of the commercial, be ready. I'm going to drill down personal with you. And then we're talking a little bit more about the movie. Then we're going to find out maybe uh, how to open our eyes a little bit more to what's happening in our own neighborhood and then how people can get involved to uh, help you all out and save one more child, because that's the goal of every single day, I'm sure, for you. So hang with us. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Thanks. From HCI Publishing. That brought you the international bestsellers, A Child Called It, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Comes the latest book by Dr. Gregory Williams, Shattered by the Darkness. This book describes the horrific abuse that Dr. Williams suffered at the hands of his father for over 12 years and the damaging effect 
of keeping everything silent about that abuse for 30 years. If you're looking for that book that you can't put down, then pick up a copy of Shattered by the Darkness by Dr. Gregory Williams at all Barnes & Noble stores, Amazon, and Books A Million. Now, back to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Welcome back. And I'm just thrilled and honored to have Tyler Schwab with uh, Operation Underground Railroad with us tonight. And uh, Tyler, I, I was shocked when I contacted you all. You've read my book? Yes, sir. Yes. One of my now, how did you come about getting my book wherever you're at? Because you're in what, Utah? Where are you, where are you located at? I, I, I'm from Wyoming. I will claim, claim Wyoming as my home until the day I die. But I do live in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. So how did you come about the book, my book? Well, uh, when I was doing one of my certificates at uh, Vanguard University, um, they have a human trafficking certificate that's really good. If anyone wants to get more education, I'll push them there. It's it's, it's a great program. Um, they actually recommended, they had a list of books um, that, for those of us that are looking to understand more about trauma and, and survivors and, 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 and trafficking exploitation, and, and yours was on there. Um, that's where I first found you, and I found your your books uh, on Amazon, and, and, and I'd read... Um, um, I forget the exact title of the one that I read for the program, but um, but I read it. I was super impacted, just like even like with your story as a whole of you, like sharing what happened to you, being open and honest about it. And and I uh, I told uh, I told the person that was uh, that coordinated this interview, I was like, man, I hope that like this this guy's like the dream come true for so many of my survivors of like if they can grow up to like to talk about what happened to them or to not talk about it, but continue to, to get their PhD to sit on board and to be a voice for for other people like you really are like the, the dream come true for so many individuals that I work with. And so you surviving, thriving, writing, doing all the things that you do, like it's such an inspiration. It gives such a voice to these, these girls that I work with, you know, some as young as, as two years old to survive and to thrive and to keep, to keep dreaming. Cause there is, is a bright future. And so thank you for your writing. Thank you for your life. Thank you for what you do. And I appreciate it. Woo, doggies, that, that, that's awesome. I, I just never knew that. And I'll tell you what, it, all you have to do is let me know how many books you want. And I'll send them to you free of charge. You can give them out to anybody that you want. Uh, I would, it would be an honor to, to have you hand uh, somebody that's going through a rough time and say, hey, read this. It may help you. And I, I would love that. So thank you. That's a, that makes my life worth living. Thank you. So is, is this now... Um, is there a personal side uh, that got you involved? And maybe my prelude today for the show, uh, hey, you have to have a calling and a, and a passion and a destiny. Is something happened uh, personally that, that got you uh, wanting to be involved in this type of work? Yeah, I think um, the first time I was exposed to this, you know, growing up in Wyoming, yeah, I wasn't exactly ex exposed to a lot of violence, a lot of poverty. You know, I, I was I had a different definition of what poverty looked like than I think what the, what actually exists in the world. And so when I first saw this, uh, I was I was living in the Dominican Republic. I was 19 years old and I would see these young girls that were with these old European American men. Um, and I'm just like, what are these girls doing? Like, why are they dressed this way? Why are they doing this? I thought they were just promiscuous teenagers. 
I, I put the blame totally on them just because I was so ignorant about what was happening. And and now I go to I, I go back home uh, after living in the Dominican Republic for an extended period of time. I go to college and someone is speaking on modern day slavery and trafficking and and all these different things. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is crazy. I can't believe this is actually happening. And they mentioned Dominican Republic is a place where it was occurring. And that I just grown to love like the Dominican people, the Dominican culture. And I was so PO'd that something would be happening there that I went back, sold all, anything that was worth anything, my textbooks, my bed, whatever, bought a cheap spirit flight, went down and and I and I was um I went down with the intention just to learn more about the victims, to learn how they end up in these situations, what was happening. Um, not with the intent to go undercover to rescue or anything like that, just to um just to go learn. And so I would, I went to, I remember one night, my first night there, I went to this brothel in this place called Boca Chica, um, a beach town in Dominican Republic, went inside and I, I found this pimp and he was like, what are you looking for? And I was like, I want to talk to the youngest girl you've got here. And I was super honest with my intention. I was like, I'm not going to do anything to her. I'm not going to have sex. I'm not going to do anything like that. I just want to talk to her. I just want to talk and get to know her. And the guy was like, yeah, whatever. Like you're a cop, get the heck out of my club. And I was like, how much is she worth per hour? This 14-year-old girl I see in the corner, she's like, well, she's 20 bucks an hour. And I was like, I'll, I'll give you 30 bucks for 45 minutes. And he was like, okay, that's that's cool. So that was my first indication that money, that that economics is what drives a lot of this exploitation. And money to these pimps, like it's it's their God. Like they, I give him 30 bucks for 40 minutes and he totally let down his guard as if I was a cop. So I go down and I sit with this girl and this girl is just like, as you can imagine, just terrified talking with me and so i bought her some food I, I bought her some water and and i was like hey i'm just gonna let, i'm just here to let you know i'm not gonna do anything to you i just want to learn more about you how you ended up here what's happening and when i told her that i wasn't going to do anything to her you would have thought that i had just given her like a million dollars just the the amount of relief that came over her face of that, that she wasn't going to get raped by me tonight she was like oh thank god like i've been here for two days uh my my parents thought they were sending me to a waitressing job this guy came to my house offered me this job um and i came and he when i got here they they locked the door said that you have to see this many men and if you don't do it um then i'm going to now i'm going to go get your little sister and go get your mother who's still at home and so that fear kept her inside inside this place where i just walked in freely it kept her trapped inside and and she was like but i'm catholic i'm really catholic and so the, I'm, she's like, I, I'm a virgin. And the first guy that, that came to me wanting me to do something, he, he wanted me to do anal sex. And I didn't know what that was because I'd never experienced it before. I, I, I'm, I'm too young. I'm too Catholic. And so what these traffickers did is that they made her watch that type of pornography the night before so that when a client asked for that again, she would know what to expect and know what to do. And like, my soul just like shattered like in that moment of like, how is it that I came here, you know, studying generals in college to visit the Dominican Republic. And I'm here sharing this space with this, this victim that everything has gone wrong from the time that she was born to the time that she's here trapped in this brothel. I was so heartbroken. I went back the next day to try to talk to her again. She'd already been moved. She'd already been moved. She'd already been moved to a different club to confuse her to, to do whatever. And, and that was my first exposure to just how, what a, what a, a disgusting power imbalance was existing in the world that these young women, these little kids, these children were being exploited by these pimps, these men. Like I just couldn't sit with that. 
and it even got worse to where the, some of the the little girls that I that I um, that I worked with when I was living down there. I lived down there. I was I was a I was a missionary for a church missionary down there. Oh. And so you get to know like these people like in your churches and your communities and and you come to find out just how many of them were affected that grew up in like these good homes that that dad was doing this or boyfriend was doing this or a shop owner was doing this and and um it just it was such a power it was such an evil they had been exposed to me it was it was like looking looking in the face of the devil for the first time and i had like in my mindset i'm going to do something when i'm older when i have money when i have experience when i have all these things and i kept hearing like this this voice this this these these impressions whatever you want to call it of like you could you could do something in 20 years that's fine but that girl that you met the other night is suffering in hell right now and so wait 20 years who knows if she survives 20 years of trauma if she's lucky like you have to do something right now maybe you can't do much right now because you're young you're inexperienced you have no money but you can do something right now and so that trip is really what changed my life being exposed to it for the first time having it affect me sharing space with those affected and uh that's that's how i ended up on this interview with you and how long have you been with uh or O-U-R? I've been with OUR for, I started my own nonprofit when I was 22, um, working on aftercare for the survivors that I was meeting in, really? yeah, yeah, in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, and then Medellin, Colombia. And then OUR found me a couple of years later and recruited me. And so I've been with OUR since the end of 2016. Wow. She's been with him quite a few years. So how, how excited, how, uh, how much uh, is the atmosphere has been kind of giddy uh, since July 4th when this movie came out, I think on the 3rd maybe, uh, and the success of what this movie's doing, uh, what, $40 million plus? It's above $40 million now. Uh, is it really, is your phone's ringing off the hook? Are you getting people that's starting to be interested? Is there still uh, much more work to be done? But, but what, what kind of excitement's going on around the office right now? Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it's an interesting time at the office for sure. Cause it's uh, the, the, it's opening up doors of conversation. So yeah. the good and the bad, um, and, and it's not necessarily a, a bad, bad, but I always want to mention this when we're doing live interviews is the good is that it's opening up conversations about what human trafficking is, the reality of it, what's happening. Um, you know, not just in uh, Medellin, Colombia or Lima, Peru or Bangkok, Thailand, but right here in our own communities, I'll still say, Still, like after 10 years in this, the worst trafficker that I've ever met, as far as like pure evil, um, he's from New York and the other one is from Salt Lake City. And so it's happening closer than we want to want to admit. So I think it's a good conversation to have. Um, and it's opening up conversations to that. Obviously, like the story of, of our founder and and the, the organization that he created is pushing a lot of traffic to us that allows us to uh, respond to those, to get more support. And it also gives a voice to those who are looking to looking to seek help because they've seen it. They've been given a voice and they're looking to receive help. The bad is that uh, because it's a Hollywood production, uh, OUR does not receive any of the proceeds from that movie. And so go see the movie, go check it out, be inspired, be uh, be informed of, of what's happening. Um, know that, you know, Hollywood's taken some liberties with with the story in general, but it's a good conversation opener as far as like what, human trafficking looks like. And then when it's done, go to OURrescue.org and you can see, you know, what's actually happening day to day in the organization, what kind of operations that we're doing, what kind of help do we need, what's happening um, right now in the organization that was inspired by uh, this movie 
And so it's, that's what, how we're going to continue to push this momentum is knowing that when people go to the movie, that OUR receives 0% from your ticket. But if you go to the, go to the website after and chat with, uh, with our representatives, go see what we're doing, see what we're accomplishing, and then make a donation, those donations go to help continue the fight that was started uh, in the stories that were told at Sound of Freedom. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's going to, to increase maybe people that look you up, uh, Tim Ballard and what he's all about, and then that's going to connect them with you uh, and the organization. And, of course, obviously they can give at ORURescue.org. Uh, and hopefully we'll say that several times. And even when we send this out, I'll have a, a link to that to where people can tap right in uh, to that to hopefully find out why in your website is unbelievable. A uh, lot of good information on that. Did the Hollywood folks uh, want to find out more from where people put the shoes on the ground, from you, from people around your organization? Did you get any kind of input or thought uh, when this was written five years ago or produced five years ago? Yeah, it's, they, they did. They did. Uh, they interviewed us. They asked for input on like how to tell the story. They had Tim on a lot to talk about like his character. And um, I, uh, we knew that like Hollywood was going to take it and run with it. Kind of what the, the story that they wanted to share. And we knew that because uh, we listened to a podcast um, by the guys that took down Pablo Escobar, um, Steve Murphy and Javier Pena. And they talked about how they were consultants on the TV show Narcos on Netflix and how, the story is true, but Hollywood does take their liberties in sharing it. And they're much more interested in telling a good story um, versus um, versus actually telling like detailed events on like what accurately happened. And, you know, that's fine. Like whatever way it opens up a conversation, that's great. Um, the reality is, you know, you talk about Sound of Freedom and this, this operation that happened in Colombia. You really could do if you wanted, if people wanted a Sound of Freedom type of movie every single week here at OUR, which that's what kind of makes this organization so special of like the one that I shared about the guy in Texas, like that one's very close to my heart because I work with the survivors, still work with them. I spoke at the sentencing in Austin, Texas, told the judge exactly what I thought about Michael Roberts and how long he should be in jail. And that could be a story all in itself. Then you move over continents and you, you find out the operation that our Greek team just did in Greece, where they rescued 51 survivors from a trafficking ring in Greece and are now helping return those survivors, reunite those families. You talk about like the cases here in the United States where in the United States, we have a program where we train up dogs that can actually smell out um, the devices where pedophiles uh, store their abuse material. And so we have these uh, this army of dogs that we deploy all over the United States on search warrants to find as much evidence that we can that hopes to result in so many rescues um, around around the United States. And then our Asia team is kind of our model. Our Asia team does an operation like every 72 hours. Um, they're constantly working cases of brothels, bars, Americans, Dutch, Australian, like whatever type of nationality. And so like the sound of freedom, like we could we could literally tell this story like law and order, like forever, because new cases happen every every other day, every single week. Um, and that's what makes it special. Like the sound of freedom, the movie, yeah, Hollywood's taking some liberties. It's not 100% factual as far as like the, the activities described in the movie, but it's opening up a conversation about human trafficking. It's pushing people toward the website to where people can see what the sound of freedom looks like, not only in the movie, 
but what the sound of freedom sounded like in Greece last week or in Thailand a month ago or in Texas two months ago. And that's what that's the beautiful thing about it. And you have all kinds of movies on there, too, that they can also watch other movies because it's like, hey, wait, there's like six or eight at the bottom of one page uh, that they can tap into and watch other kind of productions uh, that have been done. Yeah, there's we 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 do a lot of our, our marketing team is awesome. Like our marketing yeah. team tells these specific stories, share it to our audience of like these stories that um, you know won't end up in documentaries, but are still stories we're telling. And then there's the documentaries. There's there's a documentary about um, OUR's first operations in Haiti. There's an operation. There's a there's a there's a story about um, about this group of pedophiles from the Netherlands who traveled all throughout Latin America that we had to essentially chase down and arrest. Uh, with our law enforcement partners in Ecuador, there's there's a, an amazing story told about a group of women from Venezuela. They were trafficked to Haiti. They were then rescued in this in this crazy operation in Haiti. And and so there's there's so many stories. That's why I say like Sound of Freedom is a great avenue to to open up conversations about human trafficking, about OUR. But like the Sound of Freedom, it never it hasn't stopped since. Like that's what's cool. Is like there's a Sound of Freedom every every couple of days, every couple of weeks in all these different areas of the world. And, and that's what's that's really beautiful about uh, about sharing those stories and bringing that awareness. You, you said something a while ago that piqued my interest when you said probably one of the, the uh, most evil faces or people that you found was one in New York and the other in Salt Lake City. Now, wait, Salt Lake City is known for being the most religious, moral city in our country because of the Mormons and their beliefs. Um, how could that happen in Salt Lake City? Help me understand, is there things going behind closed doors like I know in religious cultures around here, but in Salt Lake City, the most evil you've, you've seen? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you the story. Uh, the guy from New York, I won't mention much about because he's still on the run and we're still trying to catch him. So I'll leave that one to the side. No, okay. I'll send an email when that's done. I'm like, hey, we finally got this guy. Here's the story and whatever. But the guy in Salt Lake City, uh, his name is Philip Grenier. He's also in jail. And, um, you know, he was just he was a he was a he was a nobody, really. Like he was a guy that kind of blended into plain sight, him and his business business partner, um, him and his business partner, a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a weatherman and Phil was a, was a tech engineer and like a local tech company here in Salt Lake. And what they, what they did is that they had this uh, modeling company where they would basically have uh, young girls come and model different swimwear, different clothing um, it, to market different like clothing and, and all these different things. And they would do that on the front. They had a website that was dedicated to it, but the website had a paywall where if you paid, you got access to um, the the darker material of little kids in very scandalous underwear and very in, in very little clothing, and because they were smart tech wise, um, they sent out one night to get more content for the website because the the barely the barely legal stuff, which wasn't that legal, uh, was free. Anyone from the public could watch it. When you paid, that's when you got access to the stuff that they that they really wanted you to see. But they needed vulnerable kids in vulnerable situations to make this work. And so what this guy did, this tech guy who's now behind bars in, in, in Salt Lake City, is he sent out a mass spam email to a bunch of random email addresses throughout the world. And he said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. 
these people paid me $200 if I had my family member rape my daughter ages 5 to 12. If you if you upload this video to this link, they will pay you $200. And so he sends that out, goes to bed, and in the morning he wakes up with about 1,500 of those videos that had been recorded that night in his Dropbox, in his Google Drive, like whatever whatever software he was using. And so I, I say that these men are the most evil or one of the most evil because based on their knowledge of, of technology, they were responsible for not only the abuse of, of, of some girls here in Salt Lake City, but kids all across the world. Like in their inbox, they were getting videos from Russia, from India, from Colombia, from Idaho, from everywhere. Of people that read this email, believed the story, forced this kind of abuse on their kids, uploaded them to this Dropbox expecting to get paid. That money never came. They, All these kids were abused just so these guys could have explicit material for their website. And when these guys were finally taken down, uh, they were making around $22,000 a month just on people subscribing to watch these, these child rape videos. And so in court, when I spoke to the judge and I spoke to this guy, the first time I looked in his face, um, that was the first time that I was aware that there was a devil and that he walks among us because in his eyes, I saw the devil. I saw evil. I saw a guy whose actions resulted in the abuse of thousands of kids. And he lived not 20 minutes from, from where I live currently. And so it's happening everywhere. It just doesn't just happen at the end of the, the, the last message, you know, I'll share with sharing that story. It's, yeah, it's a horrific story. Justice was served. But the guy was from Salt Lake City, like you said, a very safe community, very Mormon, very religious. Um, but this trafficker, he he lived here. He abused kids here and throughout the world just based on having a computer. And, you know, in all my years working this, I've met very few men who are as evil as Philip Grenier, who's now in jail in Salt Lake City. Wow. What a story. What a story. The last minute or two, Tyler, what what would you like our listeners uh, from Houston and all the way around the world? And then it's going to go out into the, the podcast world next week. But well, what would you like to say to them? What what uh, words of wisdom from your perspective, from your experience, from you uh, just wanting to look at maybe the faces of parents um, that don't realize that this is a problem? What wisdom would you want to share in the last minute of our program? Well, I think um, the the wisdom that I would share for one for parents, probably the most importantly, is be aware of who your kids are so or who your kids are talking to on social media. You know, more likely than not, your kids are not going to get kidnapped at, at Target. Much more likely is they're going to get groomed on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and they're going to end up meeting somebody in a parking lot based on the communication that they're having with these people online. And so that's how a lot of the cases that we're seeing start here in the United States is online virtually through these social media apps. So for parents looking to protect their kids, um, be have open conversation, be aware of, of who they're who they're um, who they're communicating with online. And then um, you know, even be cautious around family, because a lot of the cases that we see, I'm sure that that you as well um, are immediate immediate family members that are the ones abusing kids yeah. in close circle. Two, uh, I think um, you know, I'll push to the to the website again for donations like in this job, I've I've had so many conversations that have broken my heart. You know, I've had I've had girls that have told me that the trafficker 
uh, murdered their dad, murdered their mom. I've had a, a girl call me in panic because she's getting bullied in school. A 14-year-old girl getting bullied in school because some boys got a, got a hold of the video that was posted of her by this American trafficker. And they're teasing her. They're bullying her, asking how much she costs per hour. Just these heartbreaking conversations that I've had with these survivors. But I just like when you make a donation, how impactful like that donation uh, can be. Like on my wall here, I've got some of like the most important moments for survivors that have that have that I've seen. Um, and it's 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 something like uh, getting into nursing school for a survivor that costs uh, two hundred and forty dollars per semester. It's it's a it's a it's a survivor I took a screenshot of when I told her that Michael Roberts from Round Rock had been arrested and the relief that goes over her face. And and for me, like when people donate to OUR, like those numbers have specific meaning for me because I've seen yeah. the impact that it can make anywhere between five dollars. And I think five dollars of uh, I was on a rescue operation once in Peru and there was a 14 year old girl who was about eight months pregnant and her traffickers didn't allow her to eat for three days to try to make her look thinner for the for the buyers. And when she was rescued, she was begging me for chicken, fried chicken. And so with the five bucks I had, went and bought her chicken. She was like, well, what does it cost? And just be able to give her the chicken and be like, it's free, no cost. This is your gift, no strings attached. For me, that was incredibly impactful as someone who's going to walk with her through her healing to allow her to know that I'm a person of trust. I'm giving her something without any expectation in return. And that just as little as five bucks did that. And so when people donate, when people say like, I can only donate five bucks or 50 bucks or a hundred bucks for me, I'm like, well, I can tell you exactly what we can do with that. The impact that that can make. And even a donation as little as five bucks a month, it goes to meet the immediate need for this survivor who's 14 and pregnant to have food from a safe person to be able to, to walk through her journey with healing. And so make a donation, OURrescue.org, help us with our work. It's, the work of rescue, it's it's hard, but the work of healing is much harder. It's much longer and much more expensive. And so we need that support. We need those donations so that when we pull a survivor out of a situation of exploitation, that they have the resources to be able to work through their process, work through their healing, and allow, not think of how much it's going to cost, be able to heal in an effective way. Wow. Tell you what, Tyler, I can't, I can't say enough. I appreciate there. There's going to be a day that I, I want to meet you face to face and just give you a bear hug and say, thank you for your work and your mission and, and everything that the impact that you're making on a dark world. And I, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. And anything I can do for you, I am in your corner. Just call and I'll be there. I'd love to get out there to see the operation and anything I can do. Need books, let me know and I'll ship them to you uh, free of charge. Another thing also, uh, before we close, we'll make sure that you get on our O-U-R rescue.org. Uh, look up everything. Look at the blog page. The blog page, I, I didn't even get to all the stuff I wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, but then also look at their store. The, the, the shirts and the stuff are awesome. I'm going to be ordering a whole bunch of that stuff just to wear to let people know uh, there's organizations like this that are helping kids. And it's involved families in the upper middle class white neighborhood in Southern Illinois. It affected me. And it may affect your family. So start helping and making that difference. Uh, OurRescue.org. OURRescue.org. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. And uh, go see the movie also. But uh, appreciate it. Hey, please come back, would you? I'd love to have you on again. With pleasure, my man. With pleasure. Okay, thank you so much.
appreciate it. As we do each and every week, I want to let you know, I, I close the program um, letting the same message, and I don't want it to ever get old because I don't think it ever will. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what you're going to face tomorrow, there's always hope. Why? Because there's people like Tyler out there fighting and working, uh, planning and doing these operations, uh, putting their own risk in, in their own lives to help one more person. Folks, there's hope. O-U-R rescue.org. Get on that right now. Join us next week for another edition of Breaking the Silence, live from Houston, Texas. And you won't want to miss that one either. God bless you. Have an awesome evening. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence. Thank you.